It happened without warning, a phenomenon, that had been neither anticipated, nor even imagined. One moment, the three suns, Elios, Belia, and Kylum, illuminated the sky in their usual celestial ballet. Communities went about their routines, children laughed in endless meadows, machines harvested crops under the persistent daylight. Then, inexplicably, the suns blinked out of existence. Imagine a world where nighttime is a foreign concept, a mere myth perhaps. Now imagine the sky turning dark, an ink-black curtain descending from the heavens, swallowing the horizon whole. Within seconds, the entire planet plunged into an unfathomable abyss. Streets that had never known shadows were now mazes of darkness. Homes that never needed lamps became caves of uncertainty. Traffic halted, vehicles crashed. The daily hum of machinery turned into a cacophony of collision, and malfunction. Wildlife, confused by the abrupt shift, ran rampant through towns and cities, adding to the mayhem. A wave of raw panic rolled across continents like a storm surge, unifying the planet in a crescendo of collective terror. No one knew what darkness could hold because darkness was the unknown. For a civilization bathed in perpetual light, this was not just night, this was an existential void, and it gripped everyone, rooted to the spot, minds racing, hearts pounding. Emergency systems failed to activate, after all, they were never programmed to recognize a world without light, as a trigger. In that instant, dark became the most known and feared unknown variable, the sudden nemesis of an entire world. And so, with their society on the brink, the people realized they had to ascend, had to conquer this new form of emptiness. Skyreach towers were not just an option, they were now a necessity. The inertia of panic was short-lived. It took mere hours for the emergency protocols to kick in, designed for catastrophes of different kinds but adaptable. Every screen, every broadcast frequency, and even dormant public announcement systems burst into life. The plan, Operation Skyreach. If light wouldn't come to them, they would seek it out. Hastily convened governmental councils across the planet released blueprints for towering megastructures, Skyreach towers, that would pierce this newfound dark ceiling. These weren't just buildings, they were lifelines, arteries designed to pump light back into a dying world. Factories that once churned out consumer goods, switched to emergency mode, repurposing their assembly lines to produce construction materials at a frenetic pace. Airships and freighters rerouted, drones deployed, and fleets of automated vehicles carried steel, concrete, and advanced composites to designated locations. Time was of the essence, and the mobilization was immediate. Massive tungsten-tipped drills, resembling mythological beasts, roared to life and sank their teeth into the ground. They tore through the earth, making way for the foundations that would need to bear the weight of hopes and steel. Above ground, swarms of cranes swung into action, their arms reaching for the heavens as they hoisted beam after colossal beam. Construction bots, assisted by human overseers in exoskeletons, fastened joints, secured pylons, and laid down flooring. Blue sparks from welding torches lit up the otherwise dark construction sites like galaxies being born.
The magnitude of the endeavor was unprecedented, the pace dizzying. Whole sections of towers were completed in what used to be the span of a single, endless day. Layers of scaffolding climbed, as if in a race with the towers themselves, each wanting to be the first to touch the vanished sky. In those first hours, Operation Skyreach became the beating heart of a planet in peril, each construction site a pulse point in a massive, worldwide effort to chase the retreating light. Unfazed by exhaustion, propelled by a singular mission, both human and machine pressed on in an orchestrated whirl of activity. The towers ascended like living entities, metallic tendrils, spiraling upwards, greedy for altitude. With each floor completed, elevators, more like vertical trains, were installed, ferrying even more materials and workers upwards, allowing construction to continue in multiple sections simultaneously. Drones zipped through the air like fireflies, their lights cutting through the darkness as they conducted aerial surveys and delivered smaller materials directly where needed. Autonomous crawlers clung to the sides of the towers, laser cutting and welding in synchrony, their programmed movements almost a dance, an art form born of necessity. Humans, secured in mechanical harnesses that enhanced their physical capabilities, directed these semi-autonomous agents. They bolted down the final fixtures, inspected the integrity of each level, and gave the go-ahead for the next layer to begin. Their eyes, covered by augmented reality visors, displayed real-time data and engineering schematics, enabling precision that left no room for error. Though they could not see it, telemetry data told them they were rising above cloud layers, piercing through stratospheres, touching heights that no one from their world had ever reached or even contemplated. It was an ascent not just of metal and concrete, but of collective willpower, every floor monument to their refusal to succumb to the abyss below. The spires became more than mere structures, they transformed into arteries of hope, vessels of collective dreams, each inch gained a triumph, each level a testament. Yet, for all the wonder of their achievement, something lingered on the edge of consciousness, an uneasy feeling that what they would find at the apex of their climb might be both extraordinary and horrifying. Their willpower had made the ascent possible, but it was the unknown that awaited them, and it was getting closer with every moment. As the Skyreach towers ascended into realms never before explored, the world below grew increasingly strange. At first, it was subtle, sensors glitching, communication signals dropping out for milliseconds, then resuming. Builders and machines pushed forward, dismissing these issues as the stress of rapid construction and extreme altitude. But soon, it was impossible to ignore. Automated welders began to falter, their arms moving erratically before shutting down. Drones, essential for reconnaissance and supply, started to veer off course, their navigation systems leading them into spirals before they crashed into the tower walls. And then there were the elevators, those vertical lifelines, experiencing sudden drops or halting altogether, leaving workers stranded in the dark, vertical abyss. Stranger still were the discoveries on the walls of the towers themselves. At these soaring altitudes, the metal surfaces seemed to change, becoming almost translucent in patches. And within those patches appeared inscriptions, 
glowing lines and intricate patterns that materialized like frost on a window pane. These weren't mere construction imperfections, they were designs, almost intentional, imbued with a glow that defied the all-encompassing darkness. Workers captured images, sent them down to be analyzed by bewildered linguists and scientists who had no frame of reference for what they were seeing. These inscriptions didn't match any known language or natural phenomena. It was first contact, not with beings of flesh and blood, but with an inexplicable otherness, written in luminescent ink on the very structures built to escape the dark. The towers, once symbols of hope, and defiance, started to feel like bridges to a realm that had its own rules, rules that were increasingly interfering with their desperate journey toward the light. And so, as the towers climbed higher, so did the disquiet, the growing sense that they might not be alone in their ascent, and that whatever awaited them above was already reaching down to make its own form of first contact. As the towers pierced higher elevations, telemetry data suggested they were approaching a boundary, a limit to the obsidian sky that trapped them. One particular tower, outpacing the others due to a combination of engineering prowess and favorable conditions, was nearing this elusive threshold. With bated breath, workers and machines fortified the uppermost section. Drills mounted on this apex bore through the final layers of unknown matter that constituted the dark sky. The moment was near. The tension was palpable, even to the emotionless algorithms running the drones and bots. Then it happened. The drills broke through, and for the first time since the disappearance of their sons, light flooded back into their world. A shaft of brilliance shot down the hollow core of the tower, illuminating its insides in a radiant golden glow that quickly cascaded down, level by level. The sight was nothing short of miraculous. Cheers erupted across communication channels, jubilant cries resounding in command centers and amongst the workers in their harnesses. The world felt a collective sigh of relief, they had pierced the veil. They had reclaimed the light. But almost as quickly as the celebrations began, they were tempered by something inexplicable. Sensors near the breakthrough point began sending conflicting reports. The light was not constant, it flickered, as if obstructed by moving objects. And the energy readings were off the charts, but not in a way that matched the profiles of their lost sons. An aerial drone, equipped with a high-resolution camera, was sent through the opening to investigate. What it transmitted back extinguished the cheers and replaced them with a deafening silence. It wasn't just light pouring through the punctured ceiling. It was a different world altogether, and in that world were things that defied understanding, shifting, almost skeletal forms clinging onto broken shards that glowed like dying suns. The towers had not just pierced a veil, they had punctured the skin of a reality, they were never meant to see. And so, in their greatest triumph came their most unsettling discovery, they had reached for the light and touched something else entirely. Something awry, something alive, and perhaps something that had been waiting for them all along. With the veil pierced and a pathway opened, expeditions were quickly organized to ascend through the breach. Specialized crews in pressure suits and augmented exoskeletons rode the vertical trains to the uppermost floor. From there, they climbed, 
using advanced grappling systems to ascend into this newly exposed realm of light. What they found defied belief and understanding. As they emerged, they were greeted not by open sky but by a vast ceiling, an overhead landscape of luminescent shards that resembled molten glass suspended in a broken mosaic. The glow was intense, disorienting, casting kaleidoscopic patterns that danced wildly across their visors. But it was what clung to these shards that turned their wonder into dread, skeletal remains immense and incomprehensible in form, each bone as long as the tower was high, twisted around the glowing fragments like vines on a trellis. These were the ancient leviathans of the light, creatures of incomprehensible size and shape, their remains a fossilized tapestry that told a story no one understood. The revelation was bone-chilling. They were not pioneers breaking into a new frontier, they were interlopers stumbling into a tomb, a mausoleum of light and bone. This was not sky, this was a ceiling, a boundary made of fractured brilliance and ancient remains. Their towers, for all their monumental scale and ambition, were nothing but pins pricking through the surface of a much greater and terrifying reality. In that moment, it became clear, they hadn't conquered darkness, they had intruded upon another world's graveyard. The uneasy feeling that had been growing within them was now a heavy certainty, this luminous mausoleum was not a space to claim but a warning to heed. With piercing lights and muted sensors, the crew navigated this disorienting expanse. Their exploration crafts, designed to operate in multiple atmospheric conditions, floated cautiously between the behemoth skeletal structures and the glowing shards. It was a surreal voyage through a dimension that rejected all known laws of physics and aesthetics. They moved through a labyrinth of bones, each more complex and intricate than the last, interconnected in ways that suggested not just biological forms but architectural purpose. The skeletal remains floated as if in an invisible ocean, anchored to nothing, connected to everything, timeless sentinels in a dimension of fractured light and matter. And interspersed between them were shards of what must have been a celestial sphere, now shattered into countless fragments. These fragments hovered, as if suspended in time, glowing with a fierce luminescence, that dazzled the sensors and cast intricate webs of light and shadow. It was like navigating through broken chandeliers in a hall of mirrors, each shard a refracted reality, each skeletal structure a labyrinthine knot in the tapestry of this fractured dimension. This was no mere tomb, it was a wreckage, a sublime cataclysm frozen in a moment of cosmic disarray. And as they floated through it, the towering spires of their world visible through the breach below, they felt both awe and a creeping sense of violation. They were voyeurs in a cataclysm they couldn't begin to comprehend, witnesses to the aftermath of an event or existence that had left its indelible marks on the fabric of reality itself. The farther they ventured, the more it seemed that the fractured shards and skeletal remains were not just debris but part of an interwoven, complex system, a shattered Dyson sphere, perhaps, a lost civilization's failed attempt to harness the energy of the stars, now reduced to cosmic ruins. What role these skeletal leviathans played in this colossal structure was a mystery that hung heavy in the air, each discovery leading to more questions, each answer slipping further away into the labyrinthine complexity of this fractured reality. The crews deployed their most sophisticated scanning devices, 
capturing high-resolution images of the etchings that adorned the immense bones. They sent the data back through the breach, down the spires, and into the servers where the most advanced translation algorithms were set to work. As the machines churned through the symbols, cross-referencing them with every known language, mathematical formula, and cryptographic technique, a terrifying picture began to emerge. The etchings were not decorative, they were descriptive, a form of complex notation that seemed to blend both language and equation. And as the algorithms began to form coherent translations, a horrific realization settled over the mission control centers. The skeletal leviathans were not mere inhabitants of this shattered sphere, they were its architects. They had built a Dyson sphere, an unimaginably advanced structure designed to harness the energy of suns. These colossal beings had encased their star, and perhaps many stars, within a shell of unimaginable technology. And then, for reasons the etchings could not explain, it had shattered. The architects had become entangled in their own creation, their skeletal remains now monuments to a cosmic tragedy. The truth was devastating. Their own suns, their light and life, were not natural phenomena but the remnants of this shattered engineering marvel. They had been living inside a Dyson sphere all along, ignorant inhabitants of an engineered world, oblivious to the monumental legacy, and warning, that floated just beyond their reach. The unspeakable truth spread like wildfire through communication channels, each recipient struggling to come to terms with a reality that was as grandiose as it was terrifying. They were not the masters of their world, they were the unintended beneficiaries, perhaps even the byproducts of a technological marvel that had spiraled into disaster. And now, by piercing that celestial ceiling, they had not only discovered their true place in the cosmos, but they had also ruptured the very fabric that held their world together. The implications were as immediate as they were unthinkable. No sooner had the revelation been digested than a new alert gripped mission control. Sensors mounted on the exploration crafts and the apex of the tower began to pick up anomalies. Initially faint, rhythmic vibrations emanated from the sun shards, pulses of energy that started to resonate at frequencies never before recorded. Then came the mechanical clicks, a sequence of sounds so precise and rhythmic they couldn't be random. The shattered shards and colossal bones seemed to be reacting, mechanisms long dormant now stirring as if awakened by the intruding towers. An array of lights blinked on the dashboard, red indicators signaling activities that no one had predicted or could fully understand. A collective gasp swept through mission control and along the spines of the crew members floating amidst the skeletal labyrinth. The unspeakable truth was taking on an even darker shade, they had not merely discovered this celestial mausoleum, they had disturbed it. Within moments, the dormant mechanisms activated more complex systems. Shards began to shift, realigning like pieces of a puzzle restoring itself. The skeletal remains seemed to resonate with the activity, vibrations coursing through the bones as if transmitting instructions or perhaps a form of energy. The crews watched in horrified awe as the shattered fragments of the sphere moved toward reconstitution. For a moment, there was a glimmer of hope, could this awakening repair the fractured reality? 
would the sphere reconstruct itself and restore their lost sons. But as quickly as hope appeared, it evaporated. The fragments, instead of, coming together in a coherent shape, began to tremble and shudder, as if struggling against some enormous strain. It was as if the sphere itself was reacting negatively to the intrusion, a sleeping giant angered by the prick of a needle. The rhythmic pulses quickened, the clicks accelerated, and then, like an orchestra reaching a crescendo, the vibrations hit a peak. Every sensor lit up, every alarm sounded. The crews braced themselves as the skeletal sky convulsed, sending ripples of distorted energy down through the breach, along the spires, and into the core of their world. Warnings flooded the screens in mission control, red text scrolling faster than eyes could follow. Structural integrity of the towers was compromised, stress fractures detected in key supports. Algorithms and engineers, scrambled to implement emergency stabilization procedures, but the force of the vibrations from above overwhelmed every countermeasure. Cracks shot through the metallic exoskeletons of the towers like tendrils of lightning, jagged lines racing downward, weakening the colossal structures at an exponential rate. Steel groaned, bolts popped, and supports gave way as sections of the towers began to buckle and collapse, raining debris onto the landscape below. Above, the situation was no less dire. Fractures formed within the broken sphere, radiating outward from the breach where the tower had pierced the celestial ceiling. These fractures, suffused with a kaleidoscopic array of colors as they caught and refracted the light, spread like wildfire across the vast expanse of shards and skeletal remains, threatening to unmake what was already broken. Drones sent to capture this unfolding catastrophe were lost, swallowed by the burgeoning chaos or destroyed by bursts of unidentifiable energy. The crews floating amidst the bones and shattered suns could only hold their positions and brace for the worst, shielded by technology that felt increasingly inadequate. In moments, the fractures connected, forming a network of destabilization that was both horrifyingly beautiful and apocalyptic. The shattered sphere seemed to wail, a low, haunting sound that was felt more than heard, as the vibrations reached a feverish intensity. Then, with a thunderous roar that was paradoxically both deafening and silent, the sphere shattered further, exploding into countless fragments that were instantly propelled outward in a high-velocity burst. Simultaneously, the towers gave way, collapsing under their own weight, their ambition and reach proving to be their undoing. The reverberations of this dual collapse resonated through the very fabric of their world, a shockwave that shattered illusions, expectations, and the very ground upon which they stood. As the shockwave from the collapsing towers and shattered sphere propagated through the world below, a psychological maelstrom unfurled. Screens flickered with incomprehensible data, and images, confounding the populace who saw their worst fears realized in an instant. The societal fabric began to tear at an unprecedented speed. Individuals, gripped by a collective psychosis induced by the incomprehensible events, began to act irrationally, even self-destructively. People leapt from platforms and high floors, while autonomous vehicles and machines careened off course, crashing into structures and each other. 
Systems designed to maintain order were overridden by a chaos that originated in the mind but manifested violently in the physical world. It was as if the newly activated mechanisms in the shattered sphere above were not geared towards self-repair, but rather towards defense. The pulses and vibrations seemed to have an effect on neurological patterns, warping perceptions and judgments. Some even speculated that the activation had triggered a dormant system designed to repel intruders by sowing discord and madness, psychological warfare on an unimaginable scale. As the descent into collective madness accelerated, the defensive systems above continued their activity. If the sphere could not be restored, then it seemed determined to expel or neutralize whatever had disturbed it. This was not a benevolent reawakening, it was an automated immune response, indiscriminate and ruthless, a celestial organism, ridding itself of an infection. The towers had failed. The breach had provoked an unthinkable defense mechanism. And the civilization that had reached so high found itself plummeting into an abyss of its own making, gripped by a chaos that originated not in the stars above but in the neurons within. The shattering of illusions was soon followed by a spectacle of awe-inspiring violence. The shards of the shattered sun, seemingly suspended in their disordered state, began to move with uncanny precision. The celestial fragments reoriented themselves into a configuration that bore no resemblance to random motion. They locked into a lattice of light and energy, focusing their collective luminescence into a singular point. For a brief moment, time appeared to pause, as if the universe itself held its breath. Then, in a blinding flash, a beam of light and heat more intense than anything ever witnessed erupted from the concentrated lattice. It cut through the space where the floating exploratory crafts had been just moments ago, aimed directly at one of the remaining Skyreach towers that was still partially intact. There was no time for countermeasures or evasive maneuvers. The beam made contact with the tower, and the laws of physics demonstrated their ruthless impartiality. In an instant, the tower vaporized, reduced to its constituent atoms in a flash of heat and light that left behind nothing but a molten stump and a rising cloud of superheated particles. For those who witnessed it, the vaporization of the Skyreach Tower was not just a physical annihilation but a spiritual one. It was the definitive proof, that their efforts to overcome the darkness, to reach the light, had brought them face to face with forces, that did not tolerate intrusion. As the blinding beam dissipated and the shards returned to their scattered positions, it became increasingly clear, that this firing sequence was not a malfunction, or an anomaly, it was a statement. The celestial defense mechanism had acted in a manner that was unequivocally hostile, neutralizing a perceived threat with unerring accuracy and overwhelming power. With options dwindling and time running out, the military launched a last-ditch effort to disrupt the celestial firing mechanism. A squadron of armed crafts, each loaded with the most powerful explosives available, shot up through the tower's crumbling remnants, navigating the maze of celestial bones and shards with a singular mission, to fly kamikaze runs into the mechanisms controlling the beams. One by one, the pilots engaged their craft's overdrives, accelerating to breakneck speeds as they targeted the most vulnerable-looking points in the celestial lattice. Then, with resolute commitment, 
they activated the detonation sequences, sacrificing themselves in fiery collisions that sent shockwaves rippling through the shattered sphere. For a moment, the strategy seemed to work. The lattice trembled, its intricate alignments disorienting, and the firing sequence was momentarily disrupted. The beams that had been reconfiguring for another attack sputtered and dispersed into harmless flares of light. However, the respite was brief. Slowly, the lattice began to reconfigure, adjusting itself with a series of mechanical clicks and luminescent pulses. Though some of its shards had been shattered or thrown out of alignment, it appeared to possess a form of redundancy, an ability to adapt and repair. The firing sequence resumed its initialization, beams starting to focus once more. Whatever hope had been gained from the kamikaze missions was quickly extinguished, replaced by a cold certainty that these mechanisms were designed to withstand far greater threats than they could ever pose. As the firing sequence reached its final stage, the shards and fragments above aligned with a new level of sophistication. Rather than multiple beams aimed at various points, they converged, to form a singular, overwhelming lance of light, its focus narrowing to a point aimed directly at the planet's core. The moment the beam was unleashed, geological catastrophe erupted. The surface of the planet buckled as if gripped by an unseen hand, mountains crumbling and flattening as though they were mere sandcastles. Oceans didn't just boil, they evaporated almost instantly, reducing to plumes of superheated steam that shot into the atmosphere. Entire forests ignited spontaneously, cities were flattened, and every form of life experienced a moment of collective terror before being obliterated. The beam pierced through layers of crust, mantle, and finally into the core, setting off a chain reaction that was both immediate, and devastating. The planet's very essence seemed to splinter, a tectonic disintegration that transcended any natural calamity. The celestial defense mechanism had delivered its final blow, a punctuation at the end of a cosmic sentence that declared, unequivocally, that the inhabitants of this world were trespassers in a reality they never fully understood. And for that trespass, the penalty was obliteration. As the planet reached the apex of its disintegration, a phenomenon occurred that transcended the boundaries of physical law and ventured into the realm of the metaphysical. In those final milliseconds, time that dilated to allow for a span of experiences compressed into an infinitesimal tick of the cosmic clock, the collective consciousness of every being on the planet converged into a unified, radiant point of awareness. This was not mere speculation or fantastical thinking, it was as if the extraordinary energies released by their dying world acted as a catalyst, fusing millions of separate minds into a singular hive of understanding. The boundaries that defined individuality dissolved. Every hope, every fear, every memory and aspiration flowed together in a torrent of shared experience. As this happened, their collective perception punctured the shroud of their shattered Dyson sphere and extended outwards into the cosmos. What they sensed defied their most despairing imaginings. A galaxy not in a state of celestial harmony, but one drowning in its own entropic demise. Stars, those pinpricks of light that should have represented the constancy of cosmic life, were winking out like candles, snuffed by an indifferent wind. Nebulae, which should have been bustling nurseries of stellar birth, 
appeared instead as twisted, darkening wastelands. The very fabric of space-time seemed to quiver with the shudders of a universe succumbing to a terminal malady. The darkness was not a localized event, it was a cosmic pandemic, a shadow creeping its tendrils across the galaxy, snuffing out star systems and enveloping planets. A growing realization dawned on this collective entity, they were but one of countless others, fighting against the dimming of the light, against the ever-encroaching void. And then, the final truth manifested itself, a truth so monumental it shattered the last vestiges of their collective denial even as their planet crumbled to stardust. In that united moment of transcendent awareness, each millisecond stretching as if to accommodate a truth too vast for any individual mind to grasp, they sensed a glint in the cosmic tapestry that formed their ever-darkening backdrop. There it was, light years away but agonizingly distinct, another Dyson sphere. Its architecture, its radiant glow, were eerily identical to their own. But what struck them as the cold hand of inevitability was the increasing luminosity of that distant structure, glowing brighter with every iota of energy released in their world's cataclysm. The revelation sent tremors through the network of interconnected minds, each one contributing to a staggering realization, their suns had not abandoned them, their light had not vanished into the ether. No, it had been siphoned away, transferred across the unfathomable distances of space to energize another sphere, another world. This was not a natural event or some inexplicable cosmic phenomenon, it was a theft, meticulously orchestrated, a transference of life force designed to fuel another civilization's battle against the same consuming darkness. As their planet's matter dispersed into cosmic dust, as atoms separated from molecules, breaking their world down to its most fundamental elements, this collective realization left an imprint, an echo on the very particles that once made up their being. They were not the tragic finale of a cosmic opera but merely a note in an ongoing symphony of predatory survival, a chain of cosmic cannibalism that stretched across the galaxy. Their demise, their obliteration, had become the lifeblood for another world's fleeting triumph over the relentless dark. And so, even as they disintegrated, their collective awareness fragmenting into a trillion scattered atoms, a new realization dawned on what remained of their consciousness, the cycle would continue. Their end was another's beginning, a sacrificial link in an endless chain, forever looping through the dark expanse of a universe locked in its own eternal struggle between light and darkness.